What's going on, Javi Lobby? It's your boy, Javier, Javier. Make sure you say it twice. All right, y'all. So I got this wonderful, beautiful video brought to us by Jubilee. I like doing Jubilee videos because it's always something interesting. You get both sides and you try to, you know, make sense of it all. Because in all honesty, we're just average people fighting and arguing over average people things. Or maybe we're arguing about something and it's more to it than just average. So that's what I try to make sense of it all. If you're new to the channel and you're watching this, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And also check out some of the links in the description below, some of the sponsors, and some of the ways you can support the show. With that being said, let's jump into this video and see exactly what we get in here. Now, I'm interested to see how this transition, uh, detransition versus transition, uh, shit minus transition. That's basically what this is about. So let's get into it and see what kind of craziness we can get ourselves into. Raise your hand if you feel attacked by the opposite side. We live in the age of victimhood. If you don't have a victimhood, find you a victimhood, whether it's being a woman, whether it's being black, whether it's being trans, whatever it is, whether it's being conservative and you're always getting canceled or somehow being deplatformed, find your victimhood and stick with it. Yeah, I like that. Step forward if you agree with the prompt. Gender-related treatment should be banned for minors. <laughs> Uh-oh. The detransition is stepping up. <laughs> it's like the Crips of Bloods, y'all. <laughs> All right, maybe this ain't funny. Maybe it's serious. Maybe we should really take this serious. <sighs> Medical transition is no place for a child. I transition as an adult. Detransitioning means stopping or reversing gender transition, which can include medical treatment or changes in appearance or both. And I have medical complications. <laughs> I have mental health issues. Child cannot consent to a medical transition because kids want, they want to eat ice cream every day. <laughs> it doesn't mean that they should. I kind of agree with you on that as well because we have so many rules and regulations when it comes to tobacco or alcohol or any type of drugs. Driving a car, you can't even you know, rent a motel until you're like 25. There's some specific things that we need to put in the place. Okay, I'm smiling because deep down inside, honestly, if we want to take this conversation seriously, we got to pay attention to something very, very important. It, it all comes down to this word consent, right? We as a society, especially... In the last 10 years or so, it's been a major conversation, especially with the Me Too movement, about consent and what consent means, who can consent, and under what conditions can your consent be given or taken away, right? So we have to ask ourselves, what does consent mean? What do we mean when we say consent? Because I'm acting under the assumption that if you are a person and you have personhood, then there's somehow a situation to where you can give your permission for something to take place or for you to participate in a certain behavior or action. Now, with that being said, usually when it comes to children, we have this general understanding in society that children are not necessarily uh, developed enough in the brain. You know, your brain doesn't really fully develop until around the age of 25. So are you truly able to consent? And the question about consent comes down to, do you truly understand the decision that you're making? Because you can consent to something, but 
if you don't really understand what it is that you're actually consenting to, then maybe it's in the interest of the law or society as a whole to protect you from yourself. Place that I think would help protect our children because the minors themselves really don't know who they are until they become 25, 26 years old. Their minds aren't fully developed and... Sorry to say, but I know 40-year-olds who don't really know who the hell they are. Let's just be honest here. Um, but that doesn't negate the point. In general, in general, children don't know who the hell they are. And many children are going to go through different uh, personalities, different identities. They're, they're playing around trying to figure out what exactly uh, fits them, who they want to be in this world, who they want to uh, associate with what kind of lifestyle they want to live. So, I mean, it, it, it makes sense, right? And if you hear anything that I've said so far, you kind of basically already know what kind of, what side I fall on on this issue. It's just, it kind of breaks my heart a little bit. Um, so I, I, I did transition as a, as a minor. Um, you know, I was a, a teenager who had a lot of mental health issues and had been sexually exploited and hated my body mm. and it, it ended with me kind of finding spaces where that was that was twisted into no you're just a boy in the wrong body and it, it ended with me having my first ever medical intervention being a double mastectomy at 16 before any hormones before anything else and because of transitioning at such a young age in the past six months i have watched my body fall apart and waste away in front of me you know, I, I have constant joint pain. I've watched my muscle mass waste away. I've watched my vocal cords hurt. I don't know if I'll ever be able to carry a child. The evidence we have suggests that the best way to figure out if gender dysphoria persists into adulthood is to let them grow up. Because a lot of these kids will grow out of it and many of them will just grow up and end up being gay or gender nonconforming. Yeah. All right, so there's a lot there, right? I didn't want to interrupt the the actual conversation right there that was being had because I felt like it was revealing a lot. Now, we can't, we can't, got to be careful here. And I'm always trying to be careful when it comes to how we analyze certain information because there are going to be those people who decide that they want to take one person's story and because it already agrees with how they see something, they want to yell that from the mountaintop. One person's experience or a few people's experience doesn't mean that that's the experience as most people as a whole. Now, based on the research that I've come across, there is this level of um, dissociation between exactly what makes a trans person happy or not because the suicide rates don't necessarily seem to decline after transition. So it's, it's only practical to ask the question, like, is transitioning actually the solution? Now, one could argue that there are people who transition who don't commit suicide. And what about those people? Does it help some people and hurt other people? What are the what 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 things do the people have in common that end up committing suicide even after the transition? Is there something that they have in common that the other people who don't commit suicide lack? And, and you got to look at that because you you're trying to make sense of the data and the information that you're receiving because maybe one size doesn't fit all. Or maybe the whole ideology itself is bad. And that's really what we're trying to get to the root of. Yep. Can the disagreeer step forward? Step on up. Step, step, step. I mean, if we're going to be honest, every major medical organization supports 
gender affirming care for trans youth. They, they say it's safe do. and it's life saving. And there are numerous studies that back that up. The study that backs it up for puberty blockers is the Dutch protocol and the same scientists. I have 10 studies that I can bring to you The right same now. scientists that brought that up have since rolled it back and said it was never supposed to be applied the way it has. The American medical industry we all know is money hungry and has gone off the rails. I all right, I hear this conversation being had a lot as well. Do you trust the people who are doing these studies? Now, here's the problem when it comes to this whole credibility of studies, right? On one hand, as a society, I do believe that we should rely on data, information, and studies. But we also can't ignore the fact that we have numerous examples of scientists, uh, researchers, uh, academics, skewing research and data for the sake of reaching a certain outcome. And there are many different factors that tie into the motivations and why people would do such a thing. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's reputation. So sometimes it's just uh, a person who's so, you know, obsessed with their ideology that they're willing to overlook any information in favor of confirming their bias. So we should always, you know, comb through these things with a fine comb. And we should try to be a, a surgeon when looking at information because we we do want to understand the motivations and the forces behind certain studies and research. And they are making a lot of money off of transitioning people. Uh, going through the transition process is a very expensive process, if I'm understanding it correctly. So there is a money incentive there. Not to say that the people who are coming up with these studies are driven by money, but it's one facet that we should pay attention to and at least uh, hone in on and try to make sense of it because you you want when you're talking about children you want to actually do your due diligence which I believe that we just haven't done I, I, I feel and truly believe that many people just are not interested in diving deep enough to find out exactly what's going on now unless you are somebody who's opposed to the transitioning altogether then those people seem to like be very obsessed with figuring out exactly what's going on now i will argue that this in no way means that you should mistreat a transition uh transgender person or that you should somehow treat them less than a person every person should have some level of dignity and respect and you shouldn't assault or you shouldn't harm or do anything to a person because you disagree with their lifestyle it's one thing to argue about protecting children and deciding what kind of society we want to live in versus the actual mistreatment and the, the harsh criticism and judgment of individuals themselves. So we got to pay attention to that because I see a lot of people taking exactly their worldview and trying to use it to justify their mistreatment of other people. And we got to be very careful with that because we've seen incidents like this when it came to the civil rights movement where people were trying to fight for their equality and fight for their rights and they were mistreated and abused. And I'm in no way equating the trans movement with the civil rights movement at all. But I'm just saying that history has shown us that when you disagree with something, it can cause people to act and behave irrational towards other people and cause a lot of undue harm. Yeah. I do agree that there are definitely some doctors out there that may be taking advantage of trans people. And I'm sorry that you went through this. Truly, I, I really am sorry. But trans kids are valid and it's not a decision that they're making. Right. It's healthcare. See, the question should be really honestly, Okay, here I am as a person who lived this experience saying that I transitioned at a young age and it was the wrong choice for me and I regret it and I'm living with the consequences. On the other hand, you're saying that we have all these studies and the scientists or the researchers say X, Y, and Z, right? But what you got to be careful about is the real question we should be asking is, okay, apparently there are individuals who go through these procedures and go through the surgeries and all of this and they come out on the other end saying, I'm not trans. So the question should be, 
How many of these kids are you willing to sacrifice for the sake of the others? That's a valid question that we should all be asking ourselves. I want to speak to that real quick. Like, I came out 13 years ago when I was 14. And I knew, not that I was trans, but that I was a, a boy. I had to go through a lengthy process of therapy and seeing an endocrinologist and, like, go through different tests and exams to make... Oh, that's Ari. That's my homeboy right now. What up, Ari? What up? <laughs> sure that this was real to everyone else involved transitioning and being trans was just a, a process i went through to become who i always knew i was it you know it wasn't a like decision that i made it was a life or death thing for me and here's the thing i understand logically we have to pay attention to these things logically and i hate to do this because at the end of the day people are going to take what they want to take from it but how you feel doesn't represent reality feelings and emotions don't have to comport with reality you know and not to be funny and not to take this lighthearted but let's just say that there was a segment in our population who felt like they were a specific animal or something of that sort well we know that's not reality that's not what you truly are but if they truly feel that on the inside what do you do with that? Because if you justify this argument, you're going to have to justify the other argument because in a way, they're the exact same thing. Now, some people are going to argue that, well, it's not the same because we're all human and we're just talking about gender and gender is not the same thing as a totally different uh, species, right? But we're talking about feelings. We're talking about emotions. We're talking about what a person feels on the inside and whether or not we validate that. Now, as a grown adult, he, she should probably be able to live however they want. You can date who you want. You can marry who you want. You can be in relationships however you please and however you want to express yourself. That's fine. Never make an argument against that. I'm 100% for freedom at all times. But the question is, children. Children. And if I hadn't gotten on hormones and gotten surgery at 16... I don't know if I would be here. As a father, um, I have I have four kids, and so and also as a trans person, I think that um, knowing what it looked like for me as a child, and that experience of going through all of the turmoil and all of the trepidation around my gender identity, I would not put my children in that situation. And also, I don't think that surgeries should be allowed for minors. Like when we look at the data and we look at the statistics and we look at the research, the vast majority of these surgeries are happening to adults. They're okay, so here, here's an interesting thing, right? Like he says that he doesn't want it to be uh, happening on children, right? Okay, let, let, let's make the argument. What if the, transi uh, the transgender movement was arguing that we're not advocating for surgery, we're not advocating for hormones, we're advocating, let's say, just in a hypothetical world, because I know that there's going to be differences amongst the different people who are arguing in favor of transitioning, that they only really wanted the fact that you should allow your child to express themselves how they see fit, even if that means wearing dresses or whatever the case may be, regardless if they're a biological boy or, or the other way around. Like, what if they were just arguing that? But they wasn't interested or arguing that you should make any changes that would cause long-term effects that can't be reversed or that could possibly cause any mental harm. 
Now, would you, as somebody who doesn't necessarily buy into the transition movement, would you be in favor of that? I'm asking this in a, in a real sense as more so of a, a compromise as a society, because like it or not, there are no solutions. There are only trade-offs and we cannot live in the country to where we're not willing to compromise with other people we disagree with for the sake of people allowing themselves to express themselves how they see fit. Now, some people, even though you may feel like you have the right solution for society, you may ultimately be arguing for a, a form of authoritarianism. Just because you don't agree with the way people behave or express themselves doesn't give you the right to then decide that they must live how you see them or how you choose to see them. Now, ask yourself, if you're really serious about finding a solution to the problems that we're facing in this whole transgender argument, are you really interested in finding a solution where you may not get 100% of what you want, but you're willing to go a step that may be beneficial for everybody? They're not minors. Yeah. So let's start there, right? And then further than that, if we look at puberty blockers, puberty blockers. Puberty blockers are medicines that prevent puberty from happening. They work by blocking the hormones, testosterone and estrogen, that lead to puberty-related changes in your body. I'm just reading what they're putting out at the bottom of the screen for those people who can't see it. Are reversible. So when it comes to children, when we talk about puberty blockers, that gives them a shot. Yeah. And it gives them autonomy over their bodies. It gives them a, a space that they can explore their expression. They can explore who they are without surgeries, without all of these other things that... I'm really concerned about the puberty blocker situation because, I mean, at the same time... It, it, when your body's going through puberty and you suppress that, that has to have some kind of effects on that. Like, I'm, even if it's not long-term, at the time, you know what I'm saying? You, one thing about childhood, uh, one thing about life in general, when, you, when you're past something, you can't get that back. There are things that I went through as a child in middle school and elementary that still have an impact on me today. And I know these things. I've looked back throughout my life and realized significant moments in my life that altered and changed the type of person I became. So... I'm still kind of like not on board with the puberty blockers as a solution. Like I said, uh, we have to get to the point where we should, you know, be able to allow these kids to explore themselves in a way that doesn't cause them any undue harm. And also we dealing with children and anybody know children, children can be bullies. So, uh, just by going to school and being different, you can be picked on and you can be laughed at and you can be made the butt of the joke. And uh, that's something also that we have to pay attention to because if you are arguing that these people are confused and that they'll grow out of it, shouldn't we also make sure that we're creating an environment amongst these children that they don't suffer any extra harm because they're exploring themselves? Because you feel like they're going to grow out of it. So let's try to maybe prevent as much harm as we possibly can, even as a society could have permanent effects. My kids were mm, maybe eight and 10 when I started my transition. And so I talked to them in kid terms. I told my son, I said, look, you know, your mom, dad wants to be a dad because that's how I feel. And my kids being so young, they understood it. They were like, okay. They don't understand. Trust me. Kids will accept their parents through almost anything. I mean, let's be honest. Your boy Tupac said, even though you was a crack fiend, mama, you always was a black queen, mama. I mean, kids want to accept their parents, right? Kids see their parents as their superheroes, as their role models. So it's like, if you're doing something, 
it's like we we we're gonna give you our approval as children because like your mom, your dad, or whatever the case may be. So I would I really wouldn't take this uh, to heart. I, I would say take it with a grain of salt, honestly. We're with it, you know. Uh, and so as they got older, I I would bring them into my world and get them to understand the things that that maybe I was going through. But now that they're adults, uh, they understand differences in people, not just trans people, but people in general. So there is such thing as gender fluid. How yes. do you know that this kid is not gonna change their gender expression later on? We really actually don't have studies on children that are... See, that gender fluidity thing, it brings in a whole different conversation, right? Because like on one hand, if the argument is there are men who want to be women and there are women who want to be men then we're arguing about okay male brain female brain testosterone estrogen we are we're arguing about these binary situations right but when you bring in the whole gender fluidity to where one day i can be this one thing one day i can be that now you're you're doing a little damage to the conversation because people have the, the righteous indignation to make an objection and say Wait, 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 wait a minute. Like, you mean to tell me you could just be whatever you want to be at any given time and we're just supposed to adapt and try to figure it out? How confusing is that? Um, you're, you're, you're just playing roles now. Uh, that's how people are going to respond. Uh, I haven't heard an argument to justify the gender fluidity situation. And I think that it's doing more harm to the conversation than any good taken over a long term, like over 10 years, 20 years. You've only been on testosterone 14 years. One of the oldest trans men, Buck Angel, he almost died from testosterone. You're saying right now it saved your life. You may still die from it. You don't know. We're, you're still happy. Exactly. You'll die for ideology, and a lot of people have died for an ideology. It's not an ideology. Well, we have it more people that are dying. It's an idea that you were born in the wrong body. Themselves. Look at the, the suicide rate of transmasculine folks. It is at 55%. And one of the one of the factors that could save their lives is support, right? And so if we have folks that are committing suicide because they're not allowed to transition, how do we fix that? If you're I telling me the transition the first, the first for, for thing, children or minors is something that's, that's, that first, shouldn't be done. The first thing. I really want to know exactly how much data we have on this situation about transgender people killing themselves because they're not allowed to transition. How many other factors play into this? Like, I, like, how do we know that A is tied to B? Correlation doesn't always equal causation, right? So what if it's the environment? What if it's the social pressure of being different and being bullied or not feeling like you belong? Maybe all of those play a major role into the suicide instead of actually being able to transition. I mean, that's something that we have to ask these questions because... I'm not so sure. Now, maybe it's something in the literature that I'm unaware of at the moment of me recording this video that uh, they they chased down all of these different leads and came to the conclusion that it was this one exact thing. But, I mean, I would argue that, like, once again, we have to do our due diligence. Here, I am very, I am very sensitive to this subject as I've been the person who has had to talk people off the ledge when it comes to suicidality. The discussion around how we talk about suicide is a very dangerous one in this community. You know, my, my parents were told, do you want a dead daughter or a living son? That's not an appropriate way to talk about that. And I understand that, but and it is our it, trans masculine youth. It's more of a threat. When you when you tell somebody like, hey, if you don't let your daughter do this or your son do this, then, you, then they're gonna end up this way. And it's like, uh, yeah, that's kind of jacked up the way that, that you put it because now it's, it's like a form of blackmail. It's more like a black and white uh, situation to where it's either or. 
And when you put somebody in a binary situation to where it's either or, then you may force somebody to make a decision that possibly could have found other alternatives. And a lot of times I hear that conversation being brought up in certain communities. And you got to ask yourself, like, uh, how true is this for one? And two, uh, have we explored all the other alternatives before you decide that it's either or? I understand that. are at the highest risk I understand of that. And they deserve help. But we also need to have a responsible conversation that is not using suicide as a means to push them down a pipeline before they have that comprehensive care. So I have a question. So Arise, I know you've been wanting to uh, say yeah, something. Yeah, no, because I have a big problem. Oh, yeah, no, so I, I'm not an interrupter. What I'm going to say is we insult children uh, or youth so much by taking away their autonomy and their own agency over their own decisions and insulting that they know who they are. Oh, my goodness. If we have to result to children being treated like adults and respecting their autonomy and who they are. We're supposed to just trust what children say all the time. If we have to result to that argument, I'm not really honestly taking you seriously because you don't need to be a part of the conversation. I'm sorry because the one thing you're not finna sit here and tell me is that children know what's best for them because in many times, in many cases, children don't know what's best for them. I would argue that 99% of the time, if given a kid enough freedom, they're probably going to do some very harmful things to themselves. Like an adult knows who they are more than they do. No one knows who I am more than I do. Right. And it's always been that way. I've always known who I was. I've never felt like I was in the wrong body. See, but that's personal. Like what I said earlier pertaining to the other person, it's one story. You got all of these different individuals who have these different stories. What worked for you may not work for somebody else. And if you give that other person that same advice that you went by, it may cause them harm. It's... Um, I just had to adjust my body. And so I think taking away kids' agency and the right to their own body is, um, it's just, it's anti-human. So it's anti-human. So we should allow kids to just do whatever they want to do. We should be able to, if your kid decided they want to stay outside and hang out with their friends until 3 in the morning, you, you don't want to take away their autonomy. If your kids decided they want to go to a, a grown adult club and hang out and drink and do drugs, we don't want to take away their autonomy. Like, if you take your argument to its logical conclusion, you're arguing something which is absurd. And these are the types of conversations that come up dealing with this that just makes it impossible to get to real-life solutions because somebody wanders in. Well, I think kids should be able to decide all of their decisions for themselves, their individuals, their autonomous, and just, like, open up the world for them and let them explore. No, 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 no. I have a question. Do you believe minors should be able to get tattoos or plastic surgery or consent to the list of other... I, 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 no, I, no, 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 hold on. I, I, That's a proper question. Proper question. Let's see how she responds. Understand they are different things, but to what no, level do we make that no, To what level do we give children bodily autonomy over everything they do? Because here's the thing: children need barriers in childhood development. You need barriers, and they need a safe way to push against those barriers. And I worry with the current medical system that instead of giving them a safe way to express themselves and push against barriers, we have taken some of those barriers away. And that is why you see more detransitioners because those barriers have been lifted. Yeah, they're not just doling out surgeries for children. Right. That's not happening I had a anywhere. letter from a therapist in a single visit at the gender clinic office and before that was I had abuse the first. From that well, you said they're not doing it. But apparently there are cases where it's happening.
So the argument should be, okay, in those cases where it is happening, we need to put more laws and restrictions in place to make sure those type of things don't happen. I mean, right? Therapist who did yeah. not psychoanalyze yeah, the rest that of your issues. Right. And that shouldn't Yeah, because your issues weren't being trans. There were a lot of other issues mm -hmm. that you're I have a diagnosis right of gender dysphoria as And well. you shouldn't. You were misdiagnosed. No, I have right. one. Yeah, you had to get a second opinion, honey. And how was I, I how was I supposed to do that when my parents were told that's that not I would your kill myself? But your yeah, parents, your, your parents, their, their biggest their biggest crime in all this was trusting an, a medical system that they thought. So on one hand, you should let your children be who they are, and on the other hand, now it's your parents' fault for not doing their due diligence. Which one is it? Like, is the parent responsible or not? Is the kid fully responsible for the decisions they make with their body or is the parents responsible? Because you can't have it both ways. You can't say on one hand, let the kids make those decisions. And then on the other hand, say it's your parents' fault for allowing you to make that decision. Come on now. Would help me and the professionals apparently not doing the right thing here. I understand, but your yeah, parents were responsible for the decisions that were made on your behalf. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that what this really- Oh, here we go. See, you see what I'm saying? It's bait and switch. See. I understand that not most people think logically or philosophically when they're line with their line of reasoning. I understand that, right? So on one hand, you could be arguing one thing and then turn around and say something that's completely opposite or goes right against the first point you just made, which they are doing right here, right now, and they're not noticing it and they're not realizing it, which is why you have people like me here to point that out. Really highlights is the importance of you sharing your story because what it mm -hmm. shows is that you can't jump into these transitions and you yeah. shouldn't listen to these doctors that push you to transition. Yeah, but she was a kid. That's why you said you can't, kids can't make these decisions. You're talking about being rational and making adult decisions to a child. A child doesn't have that reasoning. They're not thinking like you're thinking right now. This is the whole point. Right. Just because you're feeling a certain way. Social media brainwashes teens to believe that they're trans. I have like, I have to agree on that one. Like, there's this thing about it. Right. Like, yeah, there's this, there's this play what, that they have. I don't think that it necessarily brainwashes yeah. children, but I think there are a lot of people who get into being queer or trans because it's a, it's, it, it, it's trendy, and I know that's a really controversial statement to make as a trans person. Cancel, cancel, get him out of here. Can't believe he said that. Hate speech, hate speech, cancel, right? Tweet this man out of existence, right? I know some of y'all gonna beat me up and say, why are you calling this person he and why are you calling this person she? That's because that's how they presented it on the video, and that's what I'm doing because it doesn't hurt me to do so. doesn't bother me at all. But I have seen it, I have experienced it, and I also find that social media, especially apps like TikTok, gives a lot of these kids so much misinformation yes. and lead to people thinking they're trans when there are much deeper issues and everyone just wants to belong and find an identity, especially when they're young. You I, know? I, think, I think brainwash is such a, a strong yeah, that's word a very to use there. Word. I would not, yeah, that's so why I hesitated I, to step no, forward. And that's why yeah. I would step in and actually say it's more so of like a social contagion. Social contagion is spread of emotions or behaviors from one individual to another, sometimes without awareness, psychologically today. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. What got me to transition in the first place was social media. It had a grasp 
on me, that there could be something else out in the world for me uh, during that discovery. And I put a spell on you, and now you're mine, you're mine, you're mine. I played it to the fullest, 100%. I even passed as a female uh, for a, a good, you know, what was it, five, six years out of the seven that I was a transition, that I transitioned, and. Later down the road, I went and paid out of pocket and talked to a, a just a regular therapist, and she made me start questioning my own existence in a way, what I can do as a human being, uh, not just as you know a male or a female, but what can I contribute to the society? And it made me open up to maybe I was I was born as a male, and it feels empowering to me. Yeah, I mean, I was heavy on social media. Like in my mm -hmm. transition, Tumblr, that was the place to be for sure. And everyone was talking about their transition from my experience. And everyone was talking about a lot of mental health issues, depression mm -hmm. and, and all of that. And it was kind of being trendy in that sense. Like when TikTok came out, like that was like a whole nother world. And the biggest thing that I found with that is like, they weren't saying a lot of the negative things that were happening in their transition. There was always like a positive outlook on it. Like I'm being who I, who I need to be. See, that's the thing about social media. People love to run on social media and talk about how good things are and how great their life is. Oh, I'm at the beach and relaxing with my boo. Oh, I just made this much money. I bought this brand new car. Got it going on. People love to lie. People love to pretend like their life is something it's not on social media. You should not take social media at face value. Because if you're anybody like me and you know a significant amount of people and you're friends with them on social media and you can see the BS for what it actually is, it can be a little nerve wracking just watching it play out. And it's the same thing probably with this whole situation. It, there's a lot of groupthink. And when you get in these bubbles, people are going to be pretending and acting as if everything is cool and copacetic. In actuality, it's not. And then you end up with people finding themselves, following the trend, following the fad, and doing things they shouldn't have done, but they were led by the wrong people. Like, this is this great. This is the ticket to your happiness. Yeah, yeah. and I, sold. like, so much on social media, like, I made a documentary on my transition, and I really went into depth of, like, a lot of my depression that I... Hey, yo, plug that out right quick, yo. Again, transition to trans film by trans people. Plug, put a plug in, blow it up million views dealt with on that and i didn't find anyone talking about that you know, i personally didn't think i was trans till i saw earlier trans youtubers before i was just gender bending man <laughs> and for sure i also feel like comparing yourself on social media to other people that are more beautiful and successful will create dysphoria of some kind yeah, <laughs> and sure. some people it will affect your self-image yeah. for sure because we yeah. see all those beautiful trans women that are all dolled up or had every possible plastic surgery they could ever get you're gonna feel dysphoria you're gonna be like i don't look like that I mean, that's so in general Though. You know what yeah, I mean? Whether yeah. you're right. cis or trans, everyone so is, media is has dealing such with a, that. Sure. It has such at, a you know, bad impact. Yeah. So what we basically understand from this is social media is bad. Avoid social media at all costs if you want to, you know, reserve some semblance of your sanity. But we know this already, right? At least y'all been watching me. You know this already. Tread lightly with social media. Trust me. It will make you angry. It will make you upset. And you won't even know why. It will take down your mood and you'll be trying to figure out what's wrong with me. It has that effect on people. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to be that muscular dude and 100%. I wanted to do that. So no. yeah. It is such a it is such a bad, exist. like well documented bad impact on people's like sense right. of like sense of but self I, and mental health. And so But I also really quickly just want to say like I don't want people to think that like 
social media is turning yeah. people trans. Yeah, we agree with that. All right. It might, dis- it might be. You know what I mean? I've seen social media turn people conservative, seen pe- turn people liberal. I've seen social media turn people religious, atheist. Eh, I mean, it, it might be. Bring a step forward. Yeah, okay, so my thoughts on social media and everyone suddenly looking or being trans. Um, I think whoever is leaning towards that or looking towards that or looking towards being trans for answers was always someone that felt that way or felt some type of way about their gender or their identity or the way they present themselves. They're just going to go that way. I know plenty of femme twinks who went the muscle queen pipeline. It's not a rare occurrence. And so just experience your life, have fun. Try not to take social media seriously because no one is advertising their failures. It's all fake. Yeah, but I, I think... I mean, you could agree. Like, I, I don't know how much that added to the conversation, but she uh, she basically said something that I already said, which I agree with. But, you know, um, you know, I feel like if, as if, like, you know, we have to accept the fact that there has to be some people out there who are doing something because they feel like they belong to something, right? People seek validation, especially when we're talking about young people. You know, look at just look at the, the the young women who have body like negative body images of themselves because of Instagram and things of that sort. I think it is also important to say that like social media is very very effective. You know, I, I mean, I personally scroll on TikTok and I'm like, do I have OCD? Do I have autism? Like all these different things. And, like it, it can suck you in. Um, so it's important to be aware of those things. I have a question for Samantha since you have the largest platform here. Do you believe over the years you've inspired? Plug, plug it, plug it, Samantha Lux. Okay, plug it, blow it up. Million views. People to transition. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think that I've inspired people to believe that it's okay to be transgender. It's okay to express themselves and that it's possible to live a happy and successful life. How do you feel about the fact that some of them are gonna regret the body modifications they got and gonna have like- I think that they should go to a doctor that is well-versed in gender care and have mm-hmm. the appropriate um, psychoanalytic. That's what they call a uh, uh, a warning uh, label. That's what they call a, um, you ever go somewhere and you're like, oh, I wanna jump on this ride. It was like, we need you to sign this disclaimer, right? That's a disclaimer. It's like, yo, look, I'm gonna tell you how great this is, how I'm living their life, and, you know, being trans can be great and all of this stuff. And I'm gonna tell you about my journey and see how good I'm doing and all that. But disclaimer, make sure you talk to your folks, talk to a doctor or a therapist or something like that before you do X, Y, and Z. You know what I mean? It's just like the cigarette pack. Let's say, you know, cigarettes have been locked, uh, linked to the cause of cancer or something like that. But still, like, I'm going to make this packaging look very, very good. You know what I mean? So you might smoke one. Analysis done beforehand. Mm-hmm. That's okay. not my and problem. And I, I feel like a lot of folks are going to social media looking for possibility models. Sure. They're looking to see if they're okay. I know for me, when I was when I was very young, looking to see if there were other people like me, because for a long time I thought that I was the only one. The, exactly. I yep. thought I was right? the only one. And yeah. so feeling like that, like suicide was was a thing for me, me too. right? And so when I did see a possibility, Marty, when I did see somebody that looked like me, that put me in a space where I was like, I'm okay. Representation matters. I hear this conversation a lot, especially in the minority groups, especially with black people. They say minority representation matters. They want to be able to look on the screen and see somebody like them. I never felt that way. 
I personally can't relate to it. I don't care about seeing somebody that look like me. I got pride in myself. I feel my own self-worth, but some people don't. I mean, I just have to accept the fact that some people just don't feel that self-worth and they're looking for something external to give that to them. I would say that that says more about where we are in society than it says about uh, the 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 usefulness of going to social media to actually find somebody that looks like you. Because I, I think that you should live in an environment, your home, your mom, your dad, your sisters, your brothers uh, should be good, strong role models. The people in your community should be strong role models. You shouldn't have to look to online or social media or TV to find somebody that looks like you that's doing a great job or actually, you know, doing a damn thing. Sigh of relief. Right. I will say there's also a difference from like showing people that you can have a positive life and then telling them what to do. By the way, man, if you're watching this and you made it this far, go ahead and drop that like, 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 like. Make sure you hit the like. If you're listening to this on podcast, make sure you follow on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Chromecast, wherever it is, Google Podcasts, wherever. It don't matter. Just go ahead and follow, subscribe, and, you know, show some love. And remember, check out the description below, you know. Got some good stuff done there for you. Mm -hmm. So I think mm -hmm. you on your channel are kind of like, hey, look what I was able to do and how this made me feel versus like, you should do this because I did this. Yeah. Right. So and I'm also, I, I try my best to be very upfront right. about Right, because yeah. we can't help if someone's exactly. going to change their mind on something. Like that's inevitable. Yeah. We're humans. And I have to jump yeah. on one more thing with that. Like if I'm watching her channel and it inspires me to transition, I have been watching white straight men be president for years mm. and I've not wanted to be president once. So I don't identify <laughs> with that. We're going to talk about brainwashing. Let's talk about where we see things every single day happening mm -hmm. a certain way versus That's someone sure. just living their life authentically. People with gender dysphoria need therapy, not surgery. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with that one. I don't. I can convince. <laughs> Come on, everybody, bring it in. <laughs> Huddle up. It's potentially both, though. Yes. I think yeah. everyone with gender dysphoria mm -hmm. needs to go through a therapeutic mm -hmm. process yeah. and mental health care before they make that choice for themselves. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Here's the thing though, I don't really understand this part of it is like, if it's not a, if it's not a mental health issue, if it's not a mental health issue, why is it that therapy is highly recommended? If this is just like a person born in the wrong body and they are like, just like, oh, I don't belong in this body, I need to fix this. If it's not a mental health issue, why is therapy so highly recommended? Or somebody will argue, well, we just want to make sure that you are what you say you are. You actually are what you are. Like, I, like if I wanted to be a basketball player my whole entire life, I don't need to go to therapy to confirm that. If I if I wanted to, if it's just a part of life and it's just a part of human nature, what? why is the therapy so heavily recommended? You know what I'm saying? Like, are there any transgender people out there who have no mental health issues whatsoever, don't need therapy, just know exactly what they are, went through the process, and the end of the story? Like... And it's it just because it's just the way things are. It's part of nature. It's just the way it is. There's no mental health thing involved. I don't like I'm just asking a practical question. I, I, look, I could be arguing from ignorance here, but I'm just I'm just curious. This this is one of those weird things about, about it that just it, it, it's just my brain a little bit. Exactly. I personally confuse a lot of my gender dysphoria for body dysmorphia because no matter how much I feminize my body. So today I still don't feel comfortable in my own body. And now like looking among like members of trans community, I see that people keep on getting more and more surgeries. The, the surgeries are no longer affirming. You can just tell that this person is like struggling with body images. I was able to get on estrogen pretty quickly when I was 22 and my mental health declined afterwards. And 
I attributed it to being still in the wrong body, needing more body modification, end up getting sex reassignment surgery. I do believe that transition was sold to me as a hardware fix for my mental issues that were not addressed. I still struggle with internalized homophobia that pushed me into transition in the first place. I struggle with... I can hear all the conservatives now. See? See? Listen, listen, listen. It's a mental health issue. It's a mental health problem. Listen. Just listen to what she said. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just... Too often in our society, people look for the things that confirm their biases. And we jump on it like hawks, right? Even if you're right. I'm asking each and every person to think about this for a second. There's more factors about life and experience than any one of us can possibly understand. It's impossible for each and every single one of us to have the proper worldview on every single issue. Why is it that we all must act and behave as if we know everything? I'm just saying, have a little humbleness. A little humbleness will take you a long way because there's always an inkling of a possibility that you could be wrong about something. Now, I only said that because I know that there are going to be liberals who also watch this video and they're going to hear things that confirm everything that they think is right. And they're going to be like, see, they're not listening to this person and this person make the right points. I'm just trying to come at it from a perspective that allows left and right people to say, this is what I think. Let me hear what you got to say. Let's look at why somebody's right and why somebody's wrong. Let's look at the information, the data that we have, and let's see where we can make the best decision. And honestly, I'm only saying this because lives are involved. We are stressing out about this transgender movement, the LGBTQ movement. People are spending hours and hours and hours arguing, making documentaries, fighting, debating about bathrooms. We're doing all of this stuff. And meanwhile, presidents are playing with nuclear bombs. We're facing threats from Russia, China, et cetera, et cetera. And we are arguing about this. These things get views. These th So I'm just asking, does anybody have a real solution? Because if you're just going to scream at the other side and they're just going to scream back at you, we get what we deserve. And who the hell cares, right? Because guess what? Even if you write, you're not being effective. And I know that's foreign to a lot of people these days. People don't give a damn about being effective. People only care about being right. And that's what I really feel. That's why I'm different than a lot of people and a lot of content creators. Because I don't give a damn about being right. I really care about being effective. Borderline personality disorder, body dysmorphia. I just went on a whole rant. I, I just went on a whole rant. <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all. Yeah, I'm on a spectrum, I'm ADHD, and I have all those issues um, that were not helped, and I was still struggling with them after transition, and I still do. Overall, after a few years, I came to a conclusion that I was not in the wrong body, that I'm a gender non-conforming man, and I am a feminine man, that's what I am. I, I don't know if you guys have heard, but I've had a lot of binary trans people say that it's not a mental health issue. Like, if you're trans, and I know I don't agree with that. Like, I think there's a disconnect between the mind and the body. I guess I'm asking that. Like, it's like, 
you think that it's a mental health disorder. And I it don't needs think to have being therapy. transgender is, is a mental health disorder. disorder. Right. I think, right. you know, gender incongruence is what the... Gender incongruence has been moved out of the mental and behavior disorders chapter and into the new conditions related to sexual health chapter. Trans-related and gender diverse identities are not conditions of mental ill health, and that class and that classifying them as such can cause enormous stigma. And that is World Health Organization in 2019. They're referring to it as now. Um, it's listed as a sexual health concern. But the gender dysphoria, which is the symptom that arises when you are transgender, is a mental health concern. So maybe I'm thinking. Which is weird because transgender is not, has anything to do with sex. It has nothing to do with your sexual preference or anything. Why would it be moved into the sexual section? It's like LGB is lesbian, uh, gay, and bisexual. Those are all sexual preferences. The trans is about genderism. It's it's not even related to the LGB at all, right? It's just mostly uh, addition as uh, a movement, I guess, or as an advocacy. But, like, I don't understand that movement. And I don't need to understand that movement, honestly. Like, I really don't care. I'm just saying that uh, maybe, let, let's say that the, the, the trans is not a mental health situation. I still have to ask the question is, why do so many trans people suffer from some kind of mental health disorder? And I'm not saying all of them. I'm just saying, why is it prevalent amongst trans? Is it because of social pressure in social society? Or is it because certain mental health illnesses are linked to transition? I don't know. Like, put me up on game, coach. Thinking of, like, that's what I'm right. trying yeah, to yeah. say then in a right. sense. And then yeah. once you are diagnosed with gender dysphoria, and I feel like this is kind of what the prompt is kind of hinting at, if you do have gender dysphoria, the only treatment for that is transition. Right. Whether that be just a social transition, a medical transition, whatever transition fits you, that is the only way to heal your gender dysphoria. You know, that's weird because I know a transgender person specifically, and they've been on my show before, and we've had this conversation, and they told me that that's not true, that all it took was the actual hormones and the, you know, the hormonal treatment that actually made them feel better about themselves, that it wasn't actually transitioning. So I'm really curious on why that statement is true, you know? When I transitioned, the first thing my mom said to me was, can't you just be gay? Um, it hurt hearing that, but it, and a big reason that she said that was she was afraid of what my dad would think. Dang, it's crazy when people used to be like, this gay stuff is getting out of hand, we can't let them get married, and now people are like, can't you just be gay? <laughs> Wow, we've made a uh, we've made a significant change in what the span of what 10, 10, 15 years? It's just been a drastic shift. Um, he's always been very, very conservative, very traditional, you could say. He would make comments about trans people, about gay people growing up. So I always knew that he wasn't necessarily accepting. Um, so when it came down to me transitioning, I said to him, I'm gonna do this. Either you're going to be the dad that accepts me and supports me through it, or, you're like, goodbye. You're dead to me. Um, and he chose to support me, and we're closer than ever now. So gotta put him in his place. Like, look here, bro. You either going to get with it, you either going to get down or lay down. And if you lay down, you're going to stay down. I know y'all probably don't know that saying. And I think a lot of us go through medical transitions too easy or go through social transition. Yeah, definitely. Right. And yeah. so a lot of our folks that, that do transition and made the transition, both, both uh, experiences are valid, but also um, 
understanding that we're we're not mentally ill because we're trans, yes. right? And I'm not trans and I'm mentally ill, yeah. I think most people are a little mentally ill. And mentally ill is not a bad thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, we got issues. I got issues. You got issues. We got issues. Some people addicted to drugs. Some people addicted to fame. Some people addicted to money. I mean, pick your choice. I'm addicted to water. I like water for some reason. I drink a lot of water. And you can't take water from me because I'll go crazy. I just might die. But everybody got some mental illness. Uh, bro, shout out mental illness. You know what I'm saying? But seriously, though, uh, some reason we feel like mental illness is a stigma. We feel like mental illness is a negative thing. But it doesn't have to be a negative thing because it's a reality. Some people suffer from mental illness. And I really do believe that a lot of people say mental illness as a negative. And so a lot of people are not going to want to be labeled mental Ill, mentally ill or having mental health problems because most people are going to see that as a negative. I think that there should be a psychiatrist or someone in within behavioral health to be able to say, okay, you're in the right frame of mind mm -hmm. to make this decision. But I, I want to just make it very clear that trans people are not dealing with mental health because they're trans. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I disagree. I feel like trans... <laughs> <laughs> it's two sides of every coin, everybody. It's like, yeah, everybody, I agree. And then it's like, I disagree, right? <laughs> Look at this. This is beautiful. And the reason I think this is really beautiful is because it shows you that diversity of thought is the most common thing that we all share as human beings. Conservatives don't agree with other conservatives. Liberals don't agree with other liberals. Republicans, Democrats, black people, white people. We come in all different ideologies, different mindsets, different beliefs. And like, yo, I'm digging it. I'm vibing with it. Are you vibing with it? Are you vibing with it? Because, like, this is mainly the main thing that I always want to get across to people. Like, you cannot judge somebody based on what you see. Dig a little deeper. A little deeper. Transgender is definitely... And elderly trans people afford for it to be classified as mental illness, so it's covered by insurance. Otherwise, why are you getting the surgeries to... Because well, it's not a medical condition. <laughs> dysphoria is a medical condition. I, it is, but it's in your head. You, I would say that you have some kind of mental... Yes, yeah, it's, it's mental. It's a mental thing, right? So it has to be pertaining to mental. This is the problem. This is why we have a mix-up, because words are not meaning what they should mean in order for us to try to make sense of this conversation. And you shouldn't have to do that. You shouldn't have to change up words or make something mean something that it ain't in order for us to have a dialogue about it. If you believe, if you feel, that's a mental thing. Mental disorder, if you're, you're right. trying to mimic a stereotype of opposite sex. Right, but it's not society. a mimic. It's, 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 oh. There's a stereotype because if you go through the transition, you are transitioning to be the stereotypical ex of what you're trying to behave like. If women in society dress like men do and men dress like women do, then that means you will be transitioning into exactly what you are just in a different world. I know I just confused y'all on that, but just hear me out. If men dress like women and women dress like men, and you were a man who were transitioning to a woman, you would be transitioning to dress like somebody who dresses like a man today. Do you get what I just said? If you get what I just said, y'all need to let me know, but I did my best to break it down. Or this mental illness is to transition. I, I have Shout a question though, yeah. because I have a gender dysphoria diagnosis. I always have. But I'm still where I am today. Can I, I give you my honest opinion? I think that you were probably misdiagnosed. 
I don't think I was. So you, do, do you, you do feel have dysphoria for in your body? I certainly do now. Yeah, me too. Okay. Well, yeah. I, I because mean, of the you want, you, want, you want to talk about now, but at the time, I... At the time, I, At you? the time, I genuinely... These two right here beefing, yo. Luca and Samantha is beefing. Not, not, not like beefing hard, like down in the streets, like bare knuckles, but they beefing. And look, Luca, Samantha, come on the show. I'm going to be a mediator. I'm going to let y'all settle this beef because y'all got beef. And I'm going to help y'all out. I got y'all. Like, I'm going to be fair. I'm gonna be fair. I'm gonna ask fair questions. I'm gonna be like, do you agree with Samantha? And Luca, do you disagree? Like, I, I really wanna know. Cause like, let's get a trans debate on the Hobby Lobby. If y'all down, y'all let me know. We're gonna get Luca and Samantha. Y'all hit them up in the DMs. Let them know Javier, Javier invited them on. Let's have a showdown, right? I believed I did. I thought it would save me. And then looking back, I realized that my dysphoria stemmed from some severe trauma that was not handled yeah. right. and that's why i think that mental step like mental health step is so important yeah because i've heard this from several other you know most mostly female detransitioners who we had some form of pretty bad trauma right. that spawned gender dysphoria symptoms yeah mm -hmm. And we, we can disagree about misdiagnosis or something later, but the, it, it felt real at the time for me. Yeah, no, I'm sure it did. I didn't mean and that. No, I know, I know, I know, I know. Feelings. They got to respect people's feelings, Samantha. You know? I know Samantha wasn't trying to throw shots at her. You know what I'm saying? Samantha seemed like a nice person. You know? But, you know, Lucas sitting here trying to explain, like, yo, everything y'all saying ain't what it was with me. You know what I'm saying? And it's like... Well, maybe they had it wrong. I don't try to hear all that, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Y'all gonna make Luca pop the trunk. Luca, don't pop the trunk on him, bro. Don't pop the trunk. If you pop the trunk on him, Luca, I'm, I'm just gonna say, you know, like, don't pop the trunk. That's all I'm gonna say. Mm. You know, I ain't got nothing to say. I'm, I'm goofing around. And it's one of those things where that's where the mental health treatment really needs to come in and get oh, to yeah. the root of that issue because oftentimes specifically with the detransitioners I've talked to, that was ignored. You know, I, I came out to my parents in a mental health facility after telling the therapist that I thought I was transgender. And she told me, I, we had to tell your parents so that way you can get the help you need. It led to me seeing a, a gender therapist who, honestly, the issues I was facing were never addressed. To this day, no one ever addressed the fact that I had severe like trauma and exploitation going on as a young teenager. Instead, I was kind of just affirmed in, you believe this, and instead of even just a little pushback, mm -hmm. it led me to the point where the, the very first medical intervention I ever had was a double mastectomy at 16. This is why it's very important for us not box people in and make people feel as if they have to adhere to social pressure. People are afraid, doctors might be afraid to push back or therapists might be afraid to push back because they might be considered to be transphobic or malpractice. People are afraid of that. So they affirm, they affirm, they affirm, and they're not allowed to question. You know what I'm saying? And that's very important that we be allowed to ask questions. You know what I'm saying? And I just feel like society is making it worse and worse for people to actually speak freely and to ask the right questions and to explore certain topics because everybody's afraid that the hammer's going to come down, that the mob's going to come for them, that they're going to be canceled, that they're not going to be able to keep their jobs. Like, we have to stop this nonsense. Preach!
a few months after that, I started testosterone because it was the next step of what I was supposed to do. God intended for there to be only two genders. God, like, leave me out of this, man. <laughs> God just said, leave me out of it, bro. <laughs> okay, you go first. Okay, so as a Christian, I truly believe that God created male and female, and he created that throughout life, throughout the nature, oh, uh, throughout the... See, I was going to stop this video and just like, all right, man, I ain't watching no more, but God, I didn't buy this topic up. Let's see how it goes. Wildlife throughout, you know, Earth itself, and then the arguments come up into the ocean sides of, well, there's these asexual creatures and stuff like that. Well, they were designed that way for a reason, and we humans were not designed to... Uh, we were designed to procreate and be able to bring life back to the earth because we live and we die, we live and we die. We, it's a rotation of, of a process of life in itself. Oh, that's a bad reasoning because other animals, they live and they die, they live and they die, they procreate. So like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know. It's its own journey. So I truly do believe that there is male and there is female, but I can respect people's choices. However, that's where I stand on it. Well, I'm not Christian, but I do believe there's only two biological sexes, and somehow that's how it's been designed, whether it's by higher power or by evolution. I do believe... So even the trans people are confusing gender with sex. I was told that gender and sex is not the same thing, but even, you know, people who either detransitioned or transitioned even are conflating gender and sex together, right? Biological sex and gender are one and the same. They're binary. Okay, look at me. I'm confused. Oh, my God. I don't know. I don't know, bro. It's hard to follow. It's hard to follow. Look, I know I'm making a lot of jokes or whatever the case may be, but seriously, like, I'm trying to uh, be as lighthearted as possible. This is a very uh, deep subject, and look, they got all the deep for you. I, you don't need all that deep for me, but I am giving you some substance here. With gender expression has been on a spectrum for centuries. So we do have references to people who've been cross-dressing. We have references to eunuchs. Mm -hmm. And as somebody who went through a transition and detransition, when I started taking testosterone, it's almost like reminded me of my original blueprint. And I feel like I went against my original blueprint and I did a lot of damage to it and I just cannot go back to who I was because without my testicles, I'm just too far gone in my transition. Oh no. So, oh no, I didn't need to hear that. Oh man. Oh, that's where I'm at. Can the disagree step forward? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, we have historically spent more time focusing on and celebrating several genders. There are several different cultures throughout the yeah. world mm -hmm. that that celebrate the different genders. And I would urge y'all to go look into this. I feel like there's a strong misrepresentation about this whole different gender stuff in different cultures. And especially, it's just not as prevalent as they're trying to make it seem. And I see a lot of times this being misrepresented. And in most cases, it was never like, oh, you could just be any gender that you want. Maybe there were certain people in society, certain societies that took on the features of the opposite sex or performed uh, or performed certain rituals or whatever as the opposite sex. But I don't think it was ever like we see now when it comes to the whole transgender movement. To negate the fact that they exist and to negate their, their validity is just wrong. 
There are as many intersex people as there are. Intersex is an umbrella term used to describe a wide range of natural variations that affect genitals, gonads, hormones, chromosomes, or reproductive organs. 1.7% of the population is born with intersex traits. Redheaded people on the planet. So it's more intersex people than there are transgender people in the population. I can name 12 people at the top of my head who are born intersex. So to, to pretend like mm -hmm. there's man and woman is just erasing an entire group of people. The God you speak of, the first God that intersex people get to meet is the doctor because it's up to their discretion mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. just what you're going to be when wow. they mutilate their body to be a man or a woman. And that is not fair. Yeah. Right. Right, and I think also gender and male and female is not the Biological same thing. Biological sex are different things. Yeah. Even if you make that argument, it's only three then. You can say male, female, and unisex, I guess. Male and female. But where do you get all of these other things that have, you know, shown up? Uh, we're talking about gender, which is like... Sex is a label, male or female, that you're assigned by a doctor at birth based on the genitals you're born with and the chromosomes you have. Gender is much more complex. It's a social and legal status and set of expectations from society about behaviors, characteristics, and thoughts. This given to you by the great people at Planned Parenthood. And you know what they're about. Like gender, gender identity, the social aspects to being a man or a woman. Um, but male and female dictate sex, well, so I, like body I, parts. I disagree with the having sex and gender being two different things. Okay, I believe well, them to be one. So I, I, I believe that there is, um, they're the same, they're one and the same. They're not different, but we have evolutionary problems within the humanity because I also see that there are intersex, intersex animals that do exist, but, and that's how they're born. But I also do believe that the initial design was for man and woman, and then somewhere along the way, viruses, mutations, diseases, uh, plagues, all that type of stuff that we have in the world does play a part back onto uh -oh. our, onto the world itself. But I believe the initial- Uh-oh, I see the look on the, on the face. They're like, oh, he bringing all of this in. Oh, gosh. Tent was for God to create Adam and Eve, not Adam, Adam and Steve. Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh! <laughs> Mic drop! Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> you see that look on his face? I need y'all to see the look on his face. He's like, he just killed it. He just killed it. Look at. <laughs> He just killed it, y'all. He like, I'm about to drop this mic on him real quick. Y'all hold my beer. Hold my beer. I'm just going to say it. Um, so that's homophobic. I know it sounds homophobic, and I understand yes. no, I'm it, hitting it. Is. It is homophobic. It is homophobic. That's okay. Homophobia guys... made me transition, and that's what you're perpetuating right now. I grew up in a very homophobic family, and since I was a kid, I was always brainwashed, sad, gay is bad. My parents were not happy that I was naturally feminine. They always tried to make me more masculine. They tried to give me to masculine sports. I was Imagine if we lived in Spartan society. I wonder what happened to trans people in Spartan society. I'm just curious, like, which I think what the Spartans would have did to, like, the trans people. You think they've been accepting and they would have, you know, made a, um... I'm just curious on how different societies will react to the trans movement. That's all I'm saying. Mercilessly bullied at school for my femininity, constantly being told that I'm not a real man, that I'm a sissy. And when I came out to my parents as gay, um, they took me to therapists and tried to do con pretty much conversion therapy on me, which failed. So I don't believe in God. I believe in people that exist right in front of me, and I believe... Uh-oh. You don't believe in God? Uh-oh. Get her, y'all. Get her. 
Look, man, I already know. Like when they brought religion into this whole argument, there was I, I don't think religion should be brought up into this argument ever. I, I really don't think so. And the reason I, I really don't think so is because when you start to introduce religion, then it, it, it always boils down to dogma. It either well I'm taught this or I'm not taught this. Either I believe this religion or I don't believe this religion. And based on whether or not I believe this religion is gonna determine how I feel about something. I would much rather prefer that we stick to the facts, we stick to evidence, we stick to data, we stick to studies. But when you start to bring in any dogma into the argument, then it's not about reason at that point. Now, some people are going to argue, well, God is logical and God is reasonable. I'm not arguing about religion at this point. I'm just saying that we're talking about something that is independent of religion. Just like we're going to argue whether the sky is blue or not. Religion has no weight in the fact or not if the sky is blue or not. That's something we can observe. That's something we can study and we can decide on our own. We don't need the Bible to tell us that. Even if the Bible didn't exist or even if the Quran didn't exist, et cetera, et cetera, we would still be able to look at this and come to a determination on whether or not this is real or not. They should have the right to exist. And so... I'm not saying they don't have the right to exist. I'm, no, just, but saying, I mean, I'm just saying I'm, that that I mean, was the initial intent. I mean, they weren't mistakes intent. either. They're just here the way you and I are here right, right. now. And they are who they are. And we have Everybody's to accept people as they are. Why do we have to accept people as they are? Why? I, I don't understand this. Why do we have to accept people as they are? I don't even accept myself as I am. I could be better. I could be a better YouTuber. I could be a better podcaster. You know, I could be better. I know this. Why should I accept myself as I am? And why should you? You know what? A lot of people don't accept me as I am. That's why a lot of people aren't subscribed to my channel right now. If you do accept me, you would be subscribed to my channel. So, I mean, they don't accept me as I am. What is this word? These little platitudes that people just put out that don't mean anything. I don't think that you should just accept people for who they are. And that goes to any domain. Right, and there are biological biological differences in trans folks when we look at the yeah. brainstem. You know, our brainstems are different. Like that's Neurologically. That's, right, neurologically we're, we're different. So yeah, and male so and female are different, exactly. Trans people are different. Yes. They've found a mm -hmm. distinct difference in the, the cortex. Matter. There is no, <laughs> no, there is no biomarker for trans. Some <laughs> brain scan of some gay males is identical to female brain, but there is no biomarker for trans. Please don't spread misinformation. There is, there is science that hints towards it, it's just not confirmed. No, oh, come on. If you can't confirm it, don't bring it up. I mean, if you want to argue that, okay, well, it's... But like, come on, look, this, look, they don't even agree, which is great, you know, but kudos to each and every single one of these people for coming up here and deciding to have this conversation publicly on a platform where everybody can see and hear their voices and decide for themselves. Kudos to that. Kudos to that. One thing you can say about anybody is this is bravery. This is responsibility. This is courage. And this is being willing to have the conversation. There's research. So therefore it falls under the belief that there is, but there is no scientific fact to back that up, which therefore I believe that God's initial intent was to create male and female. I think if God intended to, if God exists and in the way that you believe and just intended to make male and female, then we wouldn't be sitting here. I believe in a higher power, right, of my own. And God is not. Of my own. Bro, pick a religion. Stick with it, bro. Get back into the church. This thing that creates rules and binary situations and laws that can be broken or really made. We're just all yeah, here. Yeah. You know, like I was born in a female body, but I was never a girl. Never, ever, ever. I can't explain why, but. 
What does it feel like to be a girl? What does it feel like to be a man? I imagine that most men feel different than most men. And most women feel different than most women. What does it feel like? How do you know what you're feeling? If you had never seen a female in your life, would you know you felt like a female? That's a good question, right? And which female do you feel like? If many different women feel differently, do you feel like your own unique, distinct female? Well, if that's the case, how do you know you're just not a male that feels different than other males? Ah, I'm about to blow y'all brains. That is the my truth. That is the fact. That is who I've always been. And there's no way that I'm going to look up at this guy, at some god, and be like, oh, yeah, you made me as a mistake. Transitioning improved my sex life. <laughs> what kind of question is this? What kind of question is this? Who wants to start? I could start. <laughs> Man, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> um, not to say that my sex life was any, it was bad before, but I think transitioning and coming into my body and feeling comfortable in my skin allowed me to open up more and allowed me to not only be better in bed, but also... Um, Is this seriously a question, yo? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Jubilee is crazy. Jubilee is crazy. Explore what my sexuality looks like. Yeah. Being trans also, like, made sex really complicated for me, too, because I'm, like, I'm a straight guy, and I'm, I'm very... I pass very well, and majority of the women that I've been with... I would have to eventually kind of like break it to them that I was trans and deal with a lot of rejection and with somebody I would never let girls touch me or see me without clothes on. Not having a penis made me feel inferior as a man and that no one would want me, which is why I like rejected that part of myself and never even let it be loved. It took a lot of really accepting that people were going to accept me and be attracted to me and love me and want to give me pleasure. Man, put that strap on, bro, man. Let that thing hang low. Let your nuts drop. You know what I'm saying? Walk up. You grip that thing and you just be like, yo, what's up, ma? Let me holler at you. You know what I'm saying? Put that Mac down on her. You know what I'm saying? She be screaming. Regardless of what was in my pants. And that I took agree. a long time. It took until I was like, I think I was 21 um, when my ex-girlfriend and I started dating. From that point on, I, I, I realized that just letting someone love me was half the battle. And once I let that piece come into play, I mean, it changed my life. Um, do you want to go? You want to go? Y'all can go. I'll go last. <laughs> I mean, so even though I detransitioned, um, in the beginning, especially when I was on hormones, like it increased my sex drive a lot. And there were a lot of aspects to that that was like enjoyable to explore my fluidity for sure. I was able to date a lot of people. And I think like from detransitioning, it's like the opposite of that. Like my mm. sex drive completely changed um, in a way that like there's good aspects to not being horny 24 seven. Um, it helped me be more comfortable in my body, even with detransitioning, which sounds weird, but like having a trans male body was like so different from the norm. So like I had to accept certain yes. parts of myself. So like even with detransitioning, it helps me accept like certain parts of myself that I don't have still. 
Absolutely. I did identify as a gay man before I transitioned. And like those relationships, I feel like I always kind of had like out of body experiences when we were like intimate. Mm. Um, and even after I transitioned before I had bottoms. I mean, that's what everybody trying to have. You know what I'm saying? When you in a when you have in the relations, you know, you would like to have an out of body experience, you know? I mean, that's just like euphoric. You you trying to go to that next level, and you like out of body. So I don't know if she mean that as a negative thing or a positive thing. I'm just saying, like, what am I saying? Sergi, I like just like the anxiety and the dysphoria that I would feel whenever I was intimate or like a partner would try to be intimate with me was just like crippling. Yeah. Um, so then when I had surgery and I felt more affirmed in my body and, you know, everything is, it feels right to me now, I'm finally able to have those intimate connections with people and, you know, form those deeper bonds. So amazing. it's really helped me a lot. I'm so happy for you. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm so happy for you. You think maybe we can get a drink later? You know what I'm saying? Like, shoot, you know, on me, you know, on me. Maybe go back to your place, you know, little wine. Little wine and dine. Amazing. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm putting that back now. I gotta go ahead. <laughs> when I came out as trans when I was 18, I moved to Miami, and um, it wasn't until I got my gender affirming surgeries where I was uh, like, where I did like lose my virginity because I was just not comfortable doing that. I was mm. like, I'm not presenting in my best light, right. and I think mm. I could get there. Yeah, for somebody. me, I was like, I'm not, I'm not fitting the role that I'm supposed to play in this Yeah, no, it's, yeah, yeah, it felt weird. Absolutely. And and you also attract a different type of partner. Back in my day, I used to attract um, what we call a chaser. A person who dates. A chaser is a person who dates, hooks up with certain type of person, such as trans people. Uh, versus someone who was genuinely attracted to the female form, which mm -hmm. is someone who I wanted to, like, that's the role I felt. And so... That's where I was comfortable. And now I'm comfortable. <laughs> in Virginia, like Virginia, the T word did not exist. That was on Jerry Springer and Maury Povich, and that's where that stayed. <laughs> no one no one was trans. And so I transitioned uh, when I was about 18. I moved to Miami, and my joke is that I hit the tarmac, and I said, I'm a woman, by the way. I remember I came out to my mom, and I was super nervous because I'd come out as gay years and years before, because that was so much easier. But when I came out, I remember my mom just asked if I was happy, if I was healthy, and if I was gonna finish school, because she had already paid for it. And I said yes. <laughs> Can the disagree step forward? Disagree time. Um, transition definitely ruined my sex life. I was fine with my penis, but a year after estrogen, I felt like that part didn't belong on me anymore. So I went ahead and had sex reassignment surgery. After that, my sex drive was gone pretty much. Um, I kept no. on having complications. I wasn't able to keep my new vagina open despite rigorous dilation. I had multiple revisions, including colon vaginoplasty. I just got some of my sex drive back last year when I started detransitioning with testosterone, but it's kind of traumatic to have male sex drive back without my penis. Um, Wow, bro. They're not holding back on this, yo. I'm just like, bro, kill me. Oh, oh. Let me, uh, 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 I'm sorry, y'all. Whew. All right, I'm just saying, they they, 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 they going a lot. And I'm just going to personally say it, like, you know, that would be devastating, you know? Just, like, what she went through, 
it would be devastating. You know what I'm saying? That's why you got to be careful. We're talking about kids. Like, I know they kind of moved off the whole minor situation or whatever, but think about everything that they discussed and talked about and imagine a young 12-year-old, 13-year-old having ideas and thoughts and listening to this stuff and trying to figure out what they are in life and imagine, just imagine the outcome and the potential harm that could come from some of this stuff. Um, also, I want to say that sexuality is fluid. My sexuality has definitely changed once I lost my testosterone. Um, before, I was strictly attracted to men. After I lost my testosterone, I was attracted to people in general because now I didn't have this like male sex drive, so I couldn't relate to men as much. You know, as I wanted to have sex, but I just wanted to hold hands and cuddle. Mm. And now my body dysmorphia is less. Yeah, I mean, men, animals. You know what I'm saying? Like, men are animals. Like, men want to, you know, get down. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to be honest. Men want to get down now. Uh, that's sad, though. Like, it, it is sad, you know. Um, if you dated a trans person and you watching this, let me know in the comment section. I would like to know your experience because I'm really curious to know is it, you got to be somebody who's like, you know, been with a trans person in that way and also been with somebody who's not trans in that way. And like, what's the difference? But also, if you are a trans person and you want to come on my show so we can discuss these things, I would really be curious to ask some questions because I got questions. You know what I mean? And the best way to find out something is by asking questions. You know what I mean? I'm just curious, right? Actual gender dysphoria as well is um, worse than ever before. I do feel like I'm stuck in a surgically created body. I, I just don't think I've been really myself by trying to become a woman. Yeah. yeah. So a transition did take a lot from me. That's been I'm really, sorry. really hard. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. <laughs> Dude, like, yo, that's really hard, yo. Maybe we could talk about it tonight over, <laughs> over coffee. <laughs> You know, I'm a shorter crown, you feel me? <laughs> yeah. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. Um, if you had, like, found the results that you desired in the beginning, would you feel differently than you do now? Um, no, because I realize I just miss being a man, you know? I just miss being obsessed about sex and money. I don't want to do the whole emotional thing. <laughs> and I'm talking about stereotypes, okay? So I regret... It's just like now I'm a medical patient for life. Also, having sex or back, it just reminds me that I lost all these years. I could have been having fun, whether it's chasers. Or... I definitely have internalized homophobia. <laughs> so internalized homophobia also pushed me into transition because I felt like chasers weren't good enough because I wanted to be a woman. I wanted to escape my homosexuality. <laughs> but now I realize at the end of the day, I'm a gay man and I'm still living with internalized homophobia because therapists actually never helped me with that. <laughs> it's fascinating that you say that because I, I dated men and women, and in my transition, I felt like I had an internalized homophobia when I was with men because I didn't feel like a gay man. Mm. And that was really hard for me to like figure out because I had had this journey for so long and a lot of sexual experiences were good, but I was on Grindr and I'm sleeping with these men and they're treating me how I would want to be treated in a social setting, but I'm like, I was really, really masculine in my presentation, but I tended to be kind of feminine in my roles um, within sex. And so I think that also got me to realize that I wanted to detransition because it was a reflection of the relationships that I had. Like, 
to follow kind of some stereotypes like I did me miss being a woman in some of those like social settings like with how women interacted with me with how men interacted with me like so yeah that's heavily relatable to that for sure so i do not regret my transition shocking i know that was like a really great time for me in the beginning i really was able to explore and express myself in ways that i could not have done without hormones and surgery i'm actually learning right and it's you can learn a lot by like reading and studying and all, but it's one thing to have conversations with people. It's one thing to hear what people are saying and telling you their experience because now you're actually being able to like analyze their thoughts and behaviors and match up like what, what makes sense, what don't make sense. Here's the holes, here's the plots. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? That's why I said I'm interested and curious to actually interview more trans people or have a conversation because like there are things that don't make sense to me that I really want to get to the bottom of and try to ask those questions. But at the same time, I don't want to be just trashing or bashing anybody without actually hearing exactly what the other side is saying. And I'm the same way. I've talked to liberals. I've talked to people who are have different religious beliefs and things like that because I'm an interested person. Like I, I, I want to get to the bottom of what you believe and why you believe and accept what you accept. And, you know, some of this conversation is just having me like, Really, like, I'm just having more and more questions that just need to come out. I learned so much about how people treat people based on gender and looks in general. I, I feel like I would not be the person, especially the confidence and security that I have within myself if I didn't transition as presenting as a woman in this world. My dynamic with men in general is so much different. I mean, I was... Very insecure, very submissive, very quiet. I'm sorry, say, but uh, during my transition, I didn't actually have a high sex drive from the hormones. And ever since I came back, my sex drive has been higher ever since. And I think it's because I'm no longer on the estrogen. My testosterone levels are increased after I changed. Testosterone made it make you strong. Back to being who I was originally born as. And it also kind of opened up my eyes to say, Maybe I wasn't really a female. This is probably what I would like my, my future spouse to have to look upon it. And I just, I'm proud that I actually have that sex drive back again because I felt like I lost it for a long time. The LGBTQ plus community is not as accepting as they claim. Uh-oh. Mm -hmm. Beef. Everybody stopped up. <laughs> Who wants smoke? <laughs> yeah, LGBTQ community, they coming after y'all. What's up? Who wants smoke? Musical chairs. <laughs> Musical chairs? Yeah. Yeah. I'm embarrassed to agree. Yeah. <laughs> it's true Why information. There's still so much transphobia oh, yeah. within the LGB yes, people is. in the LGBT community that um, hasn't been addressed yet. Mm -hmm. Shoot, there's transphobia within trans, trans people. people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I was transitioning in high school, I searched for acceptance from the cis hetero world. And now I feel like I'm doing the opposite and searching for acceptance from my own community half the time. Like when I was in college, the queer community on my campus hated me because I did like heteronormative like guy stuff. I played lacrosse, I was in a frat, but like I wasn't that guy, I guess, that they had in their head. And I, every time I would go to the LGBT club meetings, I would get like like they would stare into my soul like you see this bro everybody is 
arguing against oppression until they get in a position to oppress other people. You know, I really don't believe that so many people are free speech absolutists. I think most people are like free speech means that I should be able to say what I want to say. And if you say something that you dis I disagree with or whatever, you should shut the hell up or you shouldn't, you know, be able to say this or say that or advocate for this, advocate for that. It's just a lot of fake and phoniness going on and people just don't see beyond their own biases and myself included. I'm a victim of that in, in so many different senses in my past. And I had to learn to come to the conclusion that maybe, you know, you're not as pure as you think you are when it comes to your ideology. And I've done better to try to fix and correct that. And I'm doing that as well in this video. Like there are no a number of things in this conversation that I could have jumped on and beat down and really just smeared and went after. But I realized that it doesn't necessarily make you right or make you pure, and it doesn't get you the outcome that you're looking for. I'm more in, I'm more interested in engaging with the dialogue from a sense of input, but also questions because if i question if i'm open to learning and seeing the different perspective then i don't have to rely on my biases to guide me through and i can be unpredictable in my engagement with the conversation i was just this awful thing and it's always just made me feel invisible and small in whatever space i'm in and i find that just really disheartening and it happens in a lot of other cultures and communities as yeah. well, too. So it's we, funny it's that you, just happens. you mentioned like the transitioning in high school part and like that shift from, you know, searching for acceptance outside and then turning around and then having to search for acceptance within the community. Because yeah. I, I did notice that when I was still living as a trans man, when, you know, when I, I passed really well, all of yeah. a sudden it was like I wasn't welcome in these spaces yeah. anymore until they knew and then you get that that icky feeling of yeah, like exactly. you only want me here because, because of, of that yeah sure. like, mm -hmm. and right. you know now now i have the the d trans aspect where no community wants me no one like i i'm still part of the lg i'm part of the lgb part but i've lost people that i thought screw the communities like you don't need communities we have enough communities honestly like I get that people want to feel like they belong somewhere or whatever, but communities are prone to corruption. Communities are prone to uh, groupthink. Uh, I stopped identifying with certain labels and stuff because I just realized that just because I call myself a, a, a this or that, that people are going to somehow lump me in with people I may not have a lot in common with, or we might disagree on a wide variety of different subjects. People are searching for a place to belong, but usually what you end up doing is finding a place where you have to accept a bunch of stuff that you don't agree with. And I just feel yucky and, and nasty about it. So, like, I got an idea of a pill. It's called the clear pill. I know they got the red pill, the blue pill, and all that stuff. I feel like I'm taking the clear pill, and the clear pill is more so being transparent with myself. It's being transparent with others and realizing that I'm an individual, and I advocate for individualism, and I'm free and open to free thinking and inquiry while questioning myself and never putting myself in a position to where I'm 100% correct on something, but being open and allowing myself to grow and learn as an individual through experience and knowledge and learning, right? So I hope a lot of y'all take this clear pill with me, but yeah, y'all let me know what y'all think about the clear pill. They liked me for me and it didn't matter what I was. Right. But then all of a sudden, detransitioning was the thing that that they, I've been called a traitor 
Yeah, I've sure. been, me too. You know, it's me too. They, we all traitors, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> she's a traitor, but like, uh, we all traitors. Like, free trade, I'm, I'm all with it. You don't want me. The rest of the world doesn't want me. That's not true. That's not true. It can often feel that way. Yeah, but it feels really isolating. Like, this is not a club. It's not yeah, a club. Right. And, and it's not like a personality trait that I'm just mm -hmm. taking up and. God forbid one day I'd change my mind. I won't, but like, or something happens where I have to detransition. I would hope that the people who stood by my side through everything else would still be there for me because of who I am, period. And not because of an effing label over my head. And even when I transitioned, I, I dealt with the- I don't hope for that. People will let you down. Traitor uh, to everyone. It was, you know, oh, you want to be a man and the patriarchy. And I was like, I get it, but also- <laughs> Patriarchy is in the house. Patriarchy in the house. You know what I'm saying? Like, patriarchy, we up in here. We representing me, my boy Lucky. We representing the patriarchy. Hey, I'm sorry if, you know, I inherit some po inherent power because of my gender or my sex. But at the same time, am I going to complain about my privilege? I don't know. But Lucky seemed to want to get in on this. What y'all think? Should we welcome Lucky into the patriarchy? We're going to have a vote. We're going to have a meeting. And we're going to see if Lucky get in. I think Lucky already put his application in. So we'll see. It's pending right now. But all members of the patriarchy, I need y'all to check in and vote. Do Lucky get in? Also, yeah. But what I found very interesting was like this, this divide between trans men and trans women. When I first started doing a lot of advocacy, um, I was told that, that just being in the space, that I was taking up too much room, that I was taking up too much space and don't speak and, and all of these things. And I was like, wait a minute, but I'm, I'm trans too, right? Yeah. This community also belongs to us too. Right. So that was something that I grappled with for a while. I hung out with a lot of gay women. And then when I transitioned, I definitely lost my space there. And that was like really hard for me to navigate. Because I think I speak for everybody when I say nobody cares what gay women think and the reason i said that is because for one like as a man there's nothing a gay woman can say that would matter also you know but i will say bisexual women gay women eh, i don't know about all that i'm just playing y'all don't cancel me because being shunned out of these female spaces for me was really hard and difficult. And then when I got to the trans male community, there was a lot of competition. Life who looked hard, the best, bro. who passed the best. Like, that was very difficult. Oh, yeah. Shoot, fortunately, <laughs> I had a full beard, so yeah. it was like an easy, like, yeah, no, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, but still, uh, yeah. like, I heavily resonate with trans men still. And I definitely resonate with trans women from detransitioning and gender nonconforming people. So it's like, where do I belong? Weird position to be yeah. in, because it's like one community like I said, doesn't really want you, but you don't fit in. You can't really go all the way back, so you don't fit in with the, the rest of them. We just shouldn't have to categorize. Yeah, yeah, like, right. we shouldn't have to float around, wonder where we belong. Like, we have, like we have Hey, I like floating around. You should float around, bro. Float around, get to know some people. Hello, how are you? Come here often. You know, float around. See, you know, test the waters. See, you know, what you like. That would be other detransitioners, like, but even then, we're all still vastly different individuals who have vastly different life experience, political pill, views, man. religious beliefs. Right. You know, You're not experience, just different with yeah, exactly. right. experience how we got to that community. Right. Yeah. In some ways, it's 
empowering because it feels like you're, even though all this happened, you're being seen as an individual for almost the first time after, you know, spending my high school years being lumped in by both the LGBT community and the rest of the people in, in a category. But it's also very isolating because you don't have really that community support that other places get. Come on, man. Y'all be better, man. Bye. Yeah. Bye, y'all. Bye, bye, <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Hey, man, look, be better, man. Look, y'all ain't got to hang out with people y'all don't want to hang out with. Freedom of association, y'all. Freedom of association. But I'm just saying, y'all be better, man. Stop bullying, picking on people and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, grown folk do grown folk things. But, like, as far as the kids go, I'm going to get this summary up. I think yeah, I've explained that as professionally as I possibly can. I think that when it comes to kids, kids are not old enough to make consent. I don't think kids are old enough to make certain decisions that will affect them or impact them for the rest of their life. And I think we should take steps and precautions to protect children from certain ideologies or certain behaviors that could, you know, really cause a lot of damage. And with that being said, adults are free to do as adults please. Um, they're okay with me. I don't care. I don't really have enough mental energy to take up hating anybody or mistreating people or going after people. I really don't. I'm too busy trying to do me and get my life together. I ain't perfect. I'm trying to get you know, my life in order. And I hope that all of y'all are trying to do the same. You know, take care of your family. The kids is what really matter. Building strong communities, taking care of your loved ones, and creating the type of environment that you want to raise your kids in. That's very important. If you believe in God and you worship God, you know, try to be the best you you can possibly be. Improve where you can. But overall, try to be the best person you can be. With that being said... This video, I can promise you, is probably not going to be monetized. So if you're feeling gracious, I would argue and I would, you know, ask of you to make a donation. The donation link is below or in the comment section uh, during the live or during, you know, in the description always. So make a donation, $5, $10, whatever you can afford, please. And thank you. And if you already subscribed, if you're a member of the Hobby Lobby, I want to give a shout out to all my patrons, all of my members. Thank y'all so much for y'all support. And all of my subscribers, as much love. Y'all know what it is. Hobby Lobby, Hobby Lobby. Peace and glory, everybody. Be peaceful and be great. Until next time, y'all, I'm out.